1: turn first round picks like Caitlin Clark, Angel Reese, J.J. McCarthy, Michael Penix Jr. and more. Visit PaniniAmerica.net today. The Volume. We're back with another week of football and DraftKings Sportsbook is keeping us in on all the NFL action. Great offers every single game. New customers can bet $5 and get $200 instantly in bonus bets. Throw five down on any of the week's epic matchups. Walk away an instant winner. DraftKings is not stopping there. All customers take advantage of two new offers every game this September. Football's more fun when you're in on the action. No question about it. Download the app now. Sign up. Code Colin. That's me, C-O-L-I-N. New customers bet just 5 bucks and get $200 instantly in bonus bets only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL with the code Colin. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net. In New York, call 877 hopeny or text hope ny 467 in Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888 789 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction. Void in Ontario. cdkngco football for eligibility, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance eligibility, and deposit restrictions apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome in. Great podcast. We're going to start it off with 15 minutes, my observations on the early games. And boy, do I have strong opinions on this. I've been very critical of defensive coaches not understanding how to help young quarterbacks. Two examples of this today. So there's about a buck 55 left. Tie game 28 28. Matt Eberflus, fourth and one, has the opportunity for Justin Fields to kick a field goal, right? He leads the team down. Field goal, take a 31 28 lead on the Broncos. And what would the feeling be? Justin Fields had a good day. Justin Fields got you in scoring position. Justin Fields got you the lead. Regardless, if Denver comes down and wins it, the vibe all week is positive for Justin Fields. Gave you the lead, not his fault if the defense couldn't hold it. Instead, Eberflus, and I don't care what analytics say, decides to go for it instead of at home for a team that hasn't won in forever, instead of kicking a field goal for the lead as a defensive coach and trusting your schemes. Nope. They go for it. Fail. Denver goes down, takes a lead. Then you give the ball back to Justin Fields. Very little time left. Hey, kid, go save us. Terrible managing of a young quarterback. I don't care what analytics say. Justin Fields had a good day, showed promise. You had to feel great. He leaves the field. You have a lead. It would just be the way to support a young quarterback. And by the way, if you can take a lead at home and you haven't won an how many games do it prime example. I don't think Denver's very good. I think Russell Wilson and Sean Payton have found a comfort zone. I think they sort of understand now what they are and what they're not. A lot of it's underneath stuff. In the first half, I think Russell was 12 to 13 for 79 yards (laughs) and seven first downs, but they've come to an understanding of what each other offers and That's not the huge issue for this team. They have to at the trade deadline or probably in the draft, just address the defense and maybe the defensive coordinator. But it was the use of the clock and late game managing, which drove me nuts. For the Chicago Bears, protect your young quarterback. So let's talk about a second game. Defensive coach, Ron Rivera. It's 31-30. Commanders drive down, Sam Howell. Get within a point. Now remember, in this instance, Philadelphia's got the better roster, had averaged almost seven yards of play. At that moment, I went online. They'd averaged 6.6 yards of play. It's in Philadelphia. They're huge favorites. You had momentum. Eagles defense has been on the field a while. You get the touchdown. There you go for it. Different circumstance with a young quarterback. Steal a win. Big dog on the road. If you lose and Sam Howell can't deliver, Listen, Sam Howell has overachieved this point. He's not Justin Fields, whose job's on the line. Sam Howell has overachieved. Even if you lose that game, you talk about the guts and the toughness and the willingness to make a play, and Ron Rivera's trusting him, going for it against a Super Bowl team in Philadelphia. Nope. They kick the easy extra point, go to overtime against the better team, and the better team eventually wins. The better quarterback wins. The better O-line and D-line win. So in that instance, you kick the field goal for Justin Fields. The kid needs positive vibes. You're not a good team. Washington's a better team. On the road, huge dogs steal a win in Philadelphia. Now, it's easy in hindsight to say this. But this is what have been one of my knocks, is that how do you handle young quarterbacks? There is a way to do it. And I thought Washington made the wrong call. Chicago made the wrong call. So one of the things I thought about watching Buffalo hammer Miami, and I had a very good early day today. I went 4-0 on my picks. Uh, and Buffalo was one of my favorite plays. Dolphins couldn't stop them. And we never thought the Dolphins had a great defense, but it was just you get into Buffalo, they get some momentum. I've called them the Mike Tyson of the NFL. When they get rolling and punching and swinging and delivering, they are they are an avalanche. They're coming downhill 100 miles an hour, and Miami found out about it. But, you know, it's really interesting when I watch that game is that now that we've moved to 17 weeks – GMs and coaches manage the roster differently. Almost no starters are playing in the preseason. So in week one, Buffalo looked awful. This morning, this afternoon, tonight, they may be the best team in the league. Week one, the Jets looked competent offensively with Zach Wilson. You know, week one, the Rams destroyed Seattle. Seattle looked completely over their skis. We now think Seattle playing the Giants tomorrow is pretty good. So, week one, and to some degree, week two, you know, I'm trying to figure out what everybody is because I think GMs and coaches manage rosters differently. Uh, and so, Buffalo, Aaron Rodgers goes down. It's a very emotional night. They're on the road. It just felt like the Jets' night. Since then, they have dismantled teams. Uh, the offense is cooking. They're running the ball more. Josh Allen, not the primary ball carrier as often. And I think Buffalo looks really good. And again, we've seen this from Buffalo. They are a momentum team. Josh Allen is a momentum player, a power thrower, a power runner. They play with a ton of emotion. Now, it's a defensive head coach. I still think at times the offensive line and run game are inconsistent. But I do think what Miami has been doing, they're a little bit ahead of the league with all the um motion. And they had a very good first half. But you just can't keep that up. At some point, players get hurt. You go on the road. You fall behind. It's a different game, playing with a lead and trailing. It's a completely different game for a coaching staff and a quarterback in Tua. So now you're behind. Buffalo knows you have to throw. It's at Buffalo. They're getting a pass rush. Tua's not highly mobile. Oh, suddenly they look like everybody else. The way to always beat a great offense it can be the fastest show on turf. It can be Miami. It doesn't matter who it is. The way to beat a great offense has always been the same. The ability to get a pass rush with four. Don't have to bring extra people. Don't have to take big risks. You get a pass rush with four, and it disrupts even Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, fastest show on turf, all the great offenses. And I I do believe Miami is going to drop a lot of points on a lot of teams. In fact, I don't know what the, the line is next week. I would take Miami next week because Buffalo... Uh, is playing downhill football, and they look like the best team in the National Football League. So I had said during the offseason at one point on the Houston Texans, they were making a lot of solid B moves in free agency. Not big swings. You know, C.J. Stroud doesn't cost you anything. They're not paying their quarterback, so they could have taken some big swings. They didn't. Solid running back, solid linebacker, solid people in the secondary. They were just really solid acquisitions in free agency no hype no big egos uh just easy stuff for cj stroud to enter into a building slow growth and so far cj stroud has been remarkable for a rookie quarterback remarkable um, a professional, stands in the pocket, delivers strikes, uh, doesn't have nervous feet, has nice mechanics. His comp was Jared Goff, which I know none of you like Jared Goff, but he was a number one pick and is the best quarterback in the NFL the last six years against the spread. C.J. Stroud, Lance Zerline, who's a Houston radio host, dad coached in the NFL, uh, works for NFL.com. I rely on him, bring him on the herd often uh, you know, during the draft season. His comp was Jared Goff. Not going to give you a lot of juice on the outside, but if you can protect him, stands tall, throws a beautiful ball, accurate when not hurried. C.J. Stroud's been terrific. And again, uh, Nico Collins had a big game for them. You know, it's different. Bryce Young has nobody to throw to. Nobody separates. Houston did a good job finding receivers in the mid-round, guys that have a little wiggle, a little juice. They've got just enough speed to make you uncomfortable, make Pittsburgh uncomfortable defensively. And the Houston Texans and C.J. Stroud. Listen, this stuff is so much fun to me. You never know what you get. Um, You know, C.J. Stroud at Ohio State walks into every game with a personnel advantage. But I think C.J. Stroud reminds me a little of Justin Herbert where they didn't move much in college until their final game, Herbert against the Badgers at the Rose Bowl, Stroud against the Georgia Bulldogs. And the coach, knowing it was potentially the last game, right, let him run. And then you look at Herbert and you're like, oh, he can move. And you look at C.J. Stroud against Georgia and you're like, oh, he can move. It's not who he is. But if C.J. Stroud is Jared Goff with better mobility, that's a hell of a quarterback. The only thing I'm surprised at, because I thought the comp, I said it multiple times, I thought it was a reasonable comp, um, is that he was this good this early. He looks very composed. Got to give the coaching staff credit. D'Amico Ryans was the DC at San Francisco, beloved in the building, heartbroken when he left. They really, they knew he was going to get a head coaching job. He's been terrific. But again, CJ Stroud, no egos to deal with, rookie coach and coordinator. They're all in it together putting them in situations to succeed. And they've done this with all sorts of offensive line injuries. So the Texans hammer the Steelers. I'll hammer the Steelers later this week. But I thought the story, the positive vibes on the Texans, managing expectations, Stroud, big kid, sits in the pocket and delivers strikes. The Goff with more mobility comp was reasonable. Didn't think he'd be this good this early. It's been fantastic. Really, really good early window. A lot of fun. Okay, I went 4-0 in my picks. That made it more fun. 0-5 to start the year. 4-0 today. Cross my fingers. Good stuff. A lot of football left. For a limited time, you can save up to 40% off on an NFL Plus Premium annual subscription when you sign up through Plus Play. From Verizon. Plus Play. It is a platform where you can shop, manage, and save on the subscriptions you already love, like NFL Plus. With NFL Plus Premium, you get access to live games on mobile, NFL Red Zone, NFL Network, and more. So you can watch multiple games all at once. Put on any screen around you for updates, never miss a touchdown. That's simple. And for fantasy players, NFL Plus Premium makes all the difference. Access to programming like Fantasy Live through the NFL Network, Red Zone for tracking player performances on a Sunday, access to live local and primetime games, access to Fantasy players. Plus, just go to Verizon.com slash NFL to get NFL Plus Premium today. 40% off, that's 40% off, an annual subscription, just $59.99 for the full season. Get it before it's gone. Let me
2: just run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years.
0: Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura podcast network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: I'm Saleha Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States.
1: John Middlecoff, three and out, the volume. If you put the 25 to 30 best throws of Zach Wilson's career on a film, on a tape, 20 were tonight. <laughs> he was, you know what was interesting, John? So he didn't play with a ton of confidence first quarter. Chiefs made some mistakes. He had a good drive, gained confidence. Third quarter, played with a ton of confidence. And then fourth quarter, played well, had a fumble. But it's interesting. He he is a player, and I saw a little bit of this with Justin Fields today. He's a momentum player. Like, you know, when Mahomes started struggling, it sort of empowered him. Like, hey, we're all human here. I'm playing pretty well. He's always had a good arm. But it was like he found some golden touch, some confidence. You saw him grow in the game. And if he was just that which is, you know, missed an open throw in the Enzo, so should have had a fumble. If I got this, this is a, this team could win five, six in a row. I mean, I, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's strange. Both Justin Fields and Zach Wilson today, it was like something happened. Star quarterbacks, you know, came back down to earth and they felt empowered and played pretty well.
2: I think confidence is a powerful thing for young players. I mean, I think confidence is a powerful thing for young people. Right. I mean, I think it was on full display today, right? Guys like Kenny Pickett and Mac Jones completely unraveling. It's not like they have a 10 year career to lean back on. And you saw Mac Jones, or I mean, uh, Zach Wilson today. It looked for a second like the Chiefs were going to win this game 50 to nothing. I mean, early yes. on, it was like they're going to play a lot of Taylor Swift here to keep this thing going. Right. The safety, then it flipped. Then he hit a couple passes. And listen, the players, whether they love the guy or not, they want to play well. So what happens? A lot of the receivers start going over there. They start picking him up. He makes a couple plays. And the place kind of erupts. I mean, they've had two nights now in the first month of this season where when it's been going good, that place has been electric. I've watched a lot of games in MetLife. It's not the most, uh, you know, it's not exactly an SEC football game, but this Jets team and just what's going on this year, especially tonight, Rodgers in the house, Swift in the house, that that was... That was fun. I mean, it's something that didn't feel like it was going to happen kind of came out of nowhere. That was an enjoyable three quarters.
1: Well, I think it's a, mostly a young team with a young, highly passionate coach. And you can sometimes mirror your coach. And I think they play like Solo would play. Uh, young teams, Green Bay. You make more mistakes, you tend to play in streaks. I mean, the Packers have been like... Terrible first half, great second half. The Jets do that. Terrible first quarter, great second quarter. So I think I think young teams, you see this in basketball all the time, young player. Jordan Poole's a great example. It just depends on the quarter. They're very streaky. So, um, you know, I think the Jets, listen, after watching Buffalo today, it's like, and the Jets beat Buffalo, either we should disregard the first game of the season or, Or we can see that the Jets can line up pretty much with anybody physically. Becton was okay tonight. You know, he's not great, but he was capable. And if he becomes capable, your O-line, Vera Tucker's good on the inside, then you're like, okay, we can hang around. Early in the season, you had bad Zach, bad O-line. Now Dwayne Brown's out. Becton comes in, can block a little. It's like, okay, this is a—because Brees Hall, Garrett Wilson are really nice players. I talked to a personnel guy this week,
2: and he said, if you look at the way the Jets built their defense, what happened when Rodgers went out, it really screwed them because they weren't built like with Tony Saragusa and Luke Keekly. You know, CJ Mosley is an overrated player, but they were built to get a lead and then just tee off Peyton Manning style. You know, with Dwight Freeney, uh, Mathis, and just get after you. They got one good corner, and they were built to have a 17-7 to 7 lead and know you were going to pass. But what happened the moment Rodgers tears his Achilles? They've been down, and they get in these rock fights, and they're not built that way. Right. You know, you can run it on them, but if they get a little lead or they're just in the game, and, and Andy, regardless what the score is, historically likes to throw the ball, that plays to their strengths on defense. The last couple weeks— you know, it's a 10-0 game, and it's like they can just run it. The Jets have no shot. But tonight when it's 3rd and 10, if they can get you in 3rd and long and you're not, you know, have a 10-point, 10, 10 15-point, 17-point lead, they got a shot because their defensive front is pretty special as pass rushers. Not, They're not just going to hold the point. I mean, they wouldn't play the 92 Cowboys very well. But a team like the Chiefs, maybe a team like the Bills, they can at least hang because you like the pass, and I, I think you saw that tonight, and obviously, you know, Zach, I, I think the hard part is, though, Colin, you know, a lot of players, once you get to that level, you have the talent. What makes you just a solid player is just being able to consistently do it, and yes. we've really only seen him be able, he's had two, last year he had a Steeler game, I remember he was really good, and this year he's had one game, but
1: like, what's the likelihood of him doing that again? Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's one of the reasons C.J. Stroud has been so remarkable is I feel like I get the same game from him. He doesn't even have Zach's arm. That's not what he's about. No. He can, he can move better than Goff, but that was his comp. You know, sit in the pocket, give him protection, throw it. But with Stroud, I feel like I get the exact same. Every time I watch him, I'm like, yeah, I kind of know what I'm getting. And it's pretty high functioning. And with Zach, you get fumbles. You, get, you know, it's interesting, too. He's 6'2 and 218. And I always think he looks small. Rogers is six one and a half, two twenty five, and I never think that. Mahomes is six two, two twenty five. I never think small. It's the shoulders. He's got kind of a Johnny Manziel build, at like small hips, small shoulders. Yeah, and so he is one of those guys that I think. He throws to me. He throws the ball better on the outside because he has a clear passing lane. You know, Mm -hmm. Tua's talked about that before. You can see it with sometimes Russell Wilson. Uh, You know, there are certain players. I feel like Zach when he's throwing, moving and throwing outside, he's got a whip. He's got a beautiful arm.
2: Well, I think Fields falls under that today too. Once you get him moving around, using athleticism, you don't have to think. It's not one, two, three Mississippi. I got to get rid of this ball. I got to go from right to left. I got to diagnose the defense. Move him to the right. Move him to the left. I basically have one option, maybe two, and then I'm and then I'm running forward. You kind that's the simplicity, even at the highest level of football. Only so many guys, right? And Mahomes, you know, for his standards, was pretty shitty tonight. But he, like many other great players, can just sit in the pocket and pick you apart when they're dialed yep. in. That's very difficult to do. Only a small percentage of people at that position have been able to do it. Zach, most guy, he's not alone, but you can put him in more advantageous situations. Yes. And then once you hit a couple of those, you're more likely to hit the pocket pass, which he did tonight, which you went, damn, I, that, that looked like a guy that you would draft high. He he definitely had some of those throws tonight.
1: Yeah, and I think Sala deserves credit. They ran the ball enough, uh, play action. They rolled the pocket. I thought they set him up to succeed tonight. They moved the pocket. It looked different, uh, used a lot of different players. Uh, you know, I, I, I think, and to your point, is at any one time – I remember Mahomes talking about, and I think Mahomes cognitively, I've never seen a player who can see something and get the ball there faster. He just is a whip. Just, I mean, athletically, look at how,
2: Look at how that game ended. How many guys walk right into the end zone? No one would have blamed him. The game ends too. Yeah. Hits the ground. That that was yep. like a
1: Brady Belichick level move in their prime, wasn't it? Yeah, he's he's playing he's playing chess. I mean, Mahomes is going a thousand and he and Reed are going a thousand miles an hour upstairs. Um, But I do think there's ways as players develop to let them succeed. And I think it's moving the pocket, play action, leaning into your run game. Now, I thought Sala was super conservative on fourth downs in the first half, more conservative than I would have been. But in the end, you know, his takeaway is let's get like there was a fourth and one. He's like, hey, if we don't get it, It's points for Kansas City. So he was a tad more conservative than I like. But I also understand that he was seeing in the second quarter how much Mahomes was having trouble. That's about as poorly as Mahomes plays. So I'm not a huge moral victory fan, but I think you come out of that game a little impassioned. I think you're energized if you're the Jets. I, I, I mean, I sat back and I said, they're giving Kansas City some of these problems, are just New York is speeding up the game for Mahomes.
2: It's hard. To me, the key, though, is you got to build on it next week. Like your next game, you have to look good or they turn. Because it, it, you could feel the last couple weeks, the Jet, the New York negativity. It was coming, and rightfully so. They had earned it. Right. And then tonight, it, it felt like a completely different football team. So you, all of a sudden, you win a game next week, or I, I don't know. I don't think they have a buy, and you're two and three. Then all of a sudden, it feels like, like you said, why couldn't you rattle off four or five and then all of a sudden be in the wild card mix? And I think on the flip side, This Chiefs team is just a completely different version than the first iteration of the Mahomes era. I mean, they are defensive. They have – I mean, Andy's had some good running backs over his career. Obviously, when he got to Kansas City, Jamal Charles, Shady McCoy, some of the Westbrooks and Deuce Daly. This Isaiah Pacheco is like a throwback guy from the 80s. So you get this physical presence. And even Andy, who wants to pass it every play, knows he's got to give it to this guy. And now he's clearly right. Kelsey's their best weapon. This guy's their second best weapon. And they are defensive. Run game, tight end. This yep. is a lot different than the you know scoring forty eight points a game, Chiefs. But it's this is sustainable too.
1: Yeah, I mean, one of the reasons the Chiefs had trouble in the second quarter, the Jets' corners are outstanding for sure. And so the bottom line is nobody was open. And I, I do think at the trading deadline, Kansas be, City. Yeah, I think they'll. I feel like they would go. If there was a Juju Smith Schuster type player, just a, a it, who was very productive for them, just a guy that's good after the catch, kind of a physical banger, an experienced guy, because I think that's the whole. But I to your point, this is the best, fastest defense Kansas City's had under Mahomes. It's the youngest, cheapest, and fastest. Um, but I also by the next draft, you have to start considering for Kittle and Travis Kelsey drafting tight ends. These guys take a lot of hits. And uh, so, overall, great teams win on bad nights on the road. That's Kansas City. Philadelphia didn't play very well today. I mean, they, they. No.
2: Their defense got shredded. Washington has their number, though. You know, I mean, certain teams in certain sports, the Trailblazers forever with Lillard and CJ always played the Warriors well, even when they had Durant. Washington now, two years in a row. Remember, they beat them last year, I think, on Monday Night Football. Today, they easily could have won that game. They were in control the majority of it until some of Philly's athletes just made plays. That's the thing. Like You watch a team like Philly, the Niners, their skill guys look more like the 19 Chiefs than this Chiefs team, right? Right. I mean, the the talent at the high end, when you have that much firepower, a 60-minute game, if your quarterback's good, you're just
1: never really out of the game unless you're down 20. All right, let's talk uh, Patriots-Cowboys. So, um Zach Wilson can struggle. Justin Fields can struggle. But I I, I, I I never doubt they have talent. They both move and can throw. Uh, today, Mac Jones looked untalented, looked overwhelmed. So here's what we know to be true. um, The Patriot coaches, I've been told this and it's been written, were furious with him last year. Like just didn't like him as a player. You know, McEnroe Jones, Braddy, the cheap shots. It just looked bad for the culture. Um, And so we we know that's documented. Uh, Belichick was furious with him. Uh, We also know he's had several of these moments, and I've been told last year he was called out by one of his offensive linemen. He's had several of these moments, you know, chippy, hitting guys, kicking. That doesn't play well in pro sports because what players think is if you're doing that to them, They can do that to us. So that doesn't play in a locker room at all, this chippy stuff. The Grayson Allen stuff doesn't play. And then today, um, completely listless, uh, no energy, completely overwhelmed with Trayvon Diggs out, Micah Parsons hurt briefly. I I thought it was one of those. I wrote this down, is that I think there's five, I think there's 10 teams that are going to draft quarterbacks. Some of them, I think Atlanta, uh, you know, Vegas, Tampa, very early. And then probably, um, you know, Rams, Green Bay, Minnesota, maybe a little later. I put down 10 teams. And I put New England in the sooner than later. Like, he's not popular in the locker room. Uh, he looks overwhelmed and untalented. The bratty, cheap shot stuff. I don't know where his alliances are in the organization. I, I don't know. Justin Fields, those guys Still in that locker room. I think they like him. Zach Wilson, you can see his teammates, his receivers come to him. Watch Mac Jones on the sideline. Who's,
2: who's an ally in that locker room? My thought coming into training camp once we knew all the AFC rosters is that Mac Jones was inevitably going to get end Bill Belichick's career. Now I hate to say get him fired because it sounds like you know Joe Judge gets fired, you know coaches like that get fired. I don't know how this ends, mutual departure. It's over. Like this, this team's terrible, and it starts their quarterback play is horrendous. Like you said, he's not talented enough. I remember when Kyle Shanahan liked him, and I thought it is insane. No player of this talent has ever been drafted this high. In my opinion, he's more even based going back to college, more third, fourth round pick. That's where guys of Kirk Cousins, Dak Prescott, those guys go in the third, fourth round. And unlike those guys, his floor, he can't reach it right now because he's so mistake prone. His his turnovers are Awful. just outrageous. I mean, they, they and they never end. It's it's pick sixes. He could have thrown multiple pick sixes today as a fumble. He, he just feels like most lopsided game and loss of Bill Belichick's career. I mean, the Cowboys—they're not bad. I mean, they're a solid, 12-win team. 38 to three. I mean, that—that that was a full. That was a bloodbath. And Belichick, there was the one when he was going like this on his head. What? what what's his other pitch? It's not like, well, I just throw a changeup now. What does he do? You can't go to the bullpens. It's not like Zappy's any good. They're screwed. And listen, they missed the playoffs last year. This team feels worse. Judon got hurt. Now yep. it's starting to unravel a little bit. And it's clearly not, well, it's Matt Patricia calling the plays. No, they got a grown-up calling the plays. I mean, this team looks – I know he's an all-time great coach, and I believe that. But this individual team, even with him, five, six wins? I mean, look how hard the division is,
1: let alone just how they play in general. You know what's interesting, too? He's regressed. So when he first gets to New England, his rookie year, again, you haven't lived with him long. You haven't traveled with him much. Right, you haven't been through crisis with him. He had a pretty good rookie year. They made the playoffs. Just like when you're a coworker, you're an employee the first year. Eh, You win some games. You're like, "Eh, I kind of like Bob. And then you work with him a second year. You travel with him, multiple camps with him, practices with him. Have you noticed he seems less popular today? He has less allies today. He's he's one of those players. I mean, I had I had somebody um, who I respect. A former Patriot uh, recently uh, out east used the word brat, like he's bratty, like. And um, you know, there, you, I think you told me this last week or the week before. As long as you're loved in the room, nobody cares outside of the room. No, I I do not think. I think the coaches have tolerated him. I think. I mean, today I know it's it's it feels like I'm being hyperbolic here. It feels like today was a tipping point. Like the coaches are just like, all right, we they have to go to craft and say, Bob, we have to draft a quarterback.
2: Do you think that if this thing gets really ugly and it's sure headed that way, they win six games, Bill's always been a little prickly with Robert, but he's making them so much money, they're winning so big, you deal with it. Now this back-to-back years, let's say they win 13 games over a two-year span, Maybe they just go, it's time for a change. Does Bill, because I was thinking about this, like if you're the Charger or some of these other teams, or is he just too old and too curmudgeon He's kind of fascinating, right? Because his resume is unprecedented. I mean, yeah. but it's like, you know, this he's not a spring
1: chicken. Is it, he's not it, Mr. Get Along With Everybody. Here's the other thing. We always thought they were just such a smart football team. They make the same mistakes as everybody post-Brady. They're oh, not. works. They, they worse. They make, They make special teams blunders. So, you know, Brady covered up a lot of issues with this team. He was so good pre-snap. He got you out of trouble. It's like a good boss. You don't really know the trouble you would have been in. He gets you out of it before your company's in it. Brady got this team out of a lot of trouble.
2: But it gets back to Tom also worked basically as like a his second job was also a coach. I mean, you talk to Edelman and Gronk and all these guys. What was tolerated in practice It wasn't just Bill setting the tone. It was Tom setting the tone. So the the screw-ups didn't happen in practice. What's Mac going to do? Yell at you for running the wrong route on Thursday? So it kind of unravels from within because Tom set the tone from a leadership standpoint that's unreplaceable. and It it shows. Now their talent, I mean, their margin for error was already so slim. They were going to have to win games, what, like 17 to 15. And if Mac's going to play, you know, like a bottom five quarterback,
1: they, they don't have a snowball's chance in hell at this rate. The, um, You know, the other thing, um, and, and I, I, there's a lot of different things to talk about. So I I'd feel like we're sort of, um, you know, you have a Niner take. I had a Brandon Staley take. So when Asante Samuel at the end of that game intercepted the ball, and apparently Brandon Staley was telling him to get down, get down. And I thought to myself, there's been so many gaffes, so many snafus from Staley. And my takeaway is if there had been 48 seconds or a minute four, but there wasn't. There was like 230, 240 on the interception, and you're deep in your own territory. And my takeaway was as a coach, if Asante Samuels had intercepted that and just gone down the sideline, as he was going down the sideline, you know, you could say, sit at the 50. But to sit at like your eight or wherever it was. So. My takeaway was, oh, God, you're just overthinking it. There's just – I don't know what the analytics are. If you intercept a ball and it can be a pick six and go up 14, just go. Just go. Now, the theory is, well, you may never get the ball back. They could get the onside. There's like there's like 250 left. So that really bothered me. Should it? Or analytically, that's understood. Yeah, I mean, I just let them run. Why, why are you telling them to get down at
2: all? They play in the same game every week for – two years and four games, don't they? (laughs) I mean, they got a big fourth down with under three minutes to go. (laughs) The other team is driving with a chance to tie it or to take the lead. They they play – honestly, you could even go back to the Phillip Rivers days. It feels like this team's cursed. I mean, the the Raiders are so far gone, they're not even worth saving. But the Chargers, with this quarterback who – he's proven his physical capabilities, his production – his toughness now, a couple years in a row. What was it last year? He had the the rib or spleen yes. injury. This year, his fingers pointing the other way, and him battling through. What more could you want? At, think how many franchises are watching this, and, and and how many GMs and former GMs, what they would have done
1: for a chance of a talent like that. Listen, to build the team, he, get a coach. He bailed Staley out. So the, you know, then they try to they run the ball on the clock and the Raiders use a timeout, so they have to get a first down, or they're punting it from their end zone, and he hits a beautiful, perfect deep throw. And you're like, you and I are on the West Coast. I wonder if people like Midwest, who are watching their own games East, understand what's happening here with the Chargers. No chance. Justin Justin Herbert is literally saving the franchise. Staley is making – they sometimes they overthink, then they underthink. I, I, I just I watch this team, and if I'm Tom Telesco, this roster's really really good. Today they were Mack six
2: X. Six.
1: So it's so just yeah, like, I, I, it's, it's it's they won this game without five starters. I mean they have depth, they have players everywhere. I um I even if they're a playoff team, it's pretty remarkable that a coach would go playoffs back to back and be fired but I think it's been so discussed. Los Angeles is a very kind of uh, laid back, chill market. It's not Philly, Boston, New York. No. You read the LA Times, you go to message boards, you listen to Sports Talk Radio in LA. Staley is the topic of conversation every Monday. Yeah, I mean, I I think because the quarterback's so
2: good, he might be able to will him to 10 wins. And you're right, they're in the playoffs. But with their lack of, discipline, decision-making, defense, you never know what you're going to get. It's hard to see them winning a playoff game, let alone several. So I, I think that the elephant in the room, though, is it, even if they were to get rid of him, would they ever be willing to pay for a big-time coach? Because you see uh, around just this sport the impact of high-end coach. I mean, I, San Francisco, Christian McCaffrey, I, I think I can't imagine there's ever been a better midseason NFL trade in the history of the league. Last week, he he broke Jerry Rice's record, 12 straight TDs. This week, he tied Emmitt Smith's record, 13 straight touchdowns, 14. <laughs> Next week, he has a chance to break it, longest since 1990. So you're talking about a guy that – and I thought it was kind of crazy too. Running backs, 2022, he had been banged up. I'm like, wait, you're going to give a second, a third, and a fourth? He would have been worth three seconds, thirds, and fourths for his impact on the 49ers. Yeah. He is easily – I think Josh Allen threw his hat back in the ring. You know Lamar's having a pretty awesome season, but he's right there. If it ended today, he would be have every bit as good of a chance as anyone to be the NFL MVP, and he's clearly one of the best players in the league. And he's taken a team that was pretty damn good, right? They were in the conference title a couple years ago. They were in the Super Bowl, and Purdy's an upgrade over over Jimmy clearly. But Christian has become like a superstar. I remember being a kid when they signed Deion Sanders. Niners never looked back, and they dominated. It's it's different because he's an offensive player, but it's similar in terms of the impact. It's like it's impossible, despite his production, which is freaking elite, to
1: quantify how good this guy is. Well, listen, Debo is a Hall of Fame talent, and Kittle probably makes the Hall of Fame. They almost shrink when they're on the field with Christian McCaffrey. I mean, they they they're I mean, like Kittle two years ago pre-McCaffrey, that was your third down target. You couldn't wait to watch Kittle play. He's still remarkable. When he's on the field with Christian McCaffrey on a big third down, it's like Debo and Kittle become second-tier players and their Hall of Fame. Kittle's going to make the Hall of Fame. So it's like McCaffrey is that rare athlete that among other great athletes, it doesn't even, it doesn't, I mean, it's like this kid for the Rams, Puka Nakua. I keep yeah. waiting. And it's like, this is insane. He yeah, He's physical. He gets open. He reads corners like a 12-year veteran. He manipulates him. It's like, oh, that's just different. I mean, among other elite players. So, and the thing about McCaffrey, despite his size, he's one of the most physical running backs I've ever seen. And, and I, I mean, seriously, he plays three inches taller and thirty
2: pounds heavier. Well, David Shaw pounded the table when he was coming out. I was wrong. I thought, you know, I bet he turns into more of like an Edelman Welker, and he's more receiver than he ever is true down running back. He is. I mean, this is going to sound like a Walter Payton, Emmett Smith. I mean, he's a true – I mean, Kyle's giving it to him 20, 25 times a game. And it's not at the corners. It is right up the gut. yeah, break And breaking tackles. He'll lower his shoulder. He's really more of like a throwback for, to his dad's era of a guy that would have thrived in the 90s. And now I think, you know, to me, the Cowboys, a little bit of a front-running team. When they get a lead on you, which they've done yeah. three out of the four games – run you out the building, as they did. And they're celebrating. It's awesome. Their defense pins their ears back. They got into one kind of dogfight when they were down, and they crumbled. And now they're playing the Niners Sunday. The Eagles, I give them some credit. They have not played their best football, but their talent, like the Niners, they've been through, you know, the ups and downs. They've handled, like, today was not an easy win. Right. And I think when you look at the Niners and the Eagles, the amount of high-end, I mean, both teams could have 10 pro bowlers. I mean, like 10, you know, all pro guys. The, the, right. When those two teams shake out. But the Cowboys, you know, I, I just don't think they're quite on their level. I, I think those well, two teams are the top tier of the NFC, and then the next tier is the Cowboys, and probably then, then the Lions.
1: Yeah, I think there's a way Dallas has to play. And I think again, um, Buffalo, I think is more talented, but is similar. They're an avalanche. When Buffalo gets a lead on you and you're struggling with Josh Allen and he's in a groove and Davis is getting open with digs and now Kincaid and Knox, it's like, shit, this is just too much. They, yeah. they, they play downhill and the court he turns into John Elway basically like he did today you know there's no soap in that so like i think i think whereas i think San Francisco and Philadelphia can win multiple ways i tend to think certain teams buffaloes this way um i think Dallas is this way they're momentum teams and when they're headed downhill watch out they're even more lethal than a San Francisco or Philadelphia because they can score so quickly and they're so aggressive so hyper aggressive the, the Miami let's talk Miami buffalo what, what is interesting because I did think Buffalo would win. I, I did not. I had a good day of, of, of gambling, 4-1, 4, and one, four and oh in the afternoon games. But my takeaway is what really changes is when you can get pressure with four guys without bringing people. Ed Oliver today was very good. Yeah. Is that the way to disrupt Miami is very it, – it's 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 tried and true. It was the way to beat Peyton Manning or any great quarterback is you get pressure with four. And then you occasionally bring other people. Were you Should I read into anything that Miami was just boat race just, just overwhelm man overboard? should we, Or is it just one of those that came off a huge game on the road against the rival that was bound to happen? I think it's more
2: they're going on the road to a team that's won their division three years in a row, who two of the last three years have won 13 games and have a quarterback who I'd say this year has got a chance to be the MVP of the league. I mean, when he's on, and he, he's been like this the last couple of years, Buffalo had to win that game right? I mean, you're talking about, they've already lost, so all of a sudden, Miami would have technically, you know, they'd have two losses, they would be undefeated. This was a team that they should have beaten twice last year. Remember, Buffalo had the weird loss to them when they outgained them, and every statistic was in their, you know, on their side. To me, this was a draw-in-the-line game for Sean McDermott, who's taken over the defensive coordinator, and like you said, he got after him. Tua hasn't been touched, right? And the other thing is, they've been running it down the hill, like, untouched on everyone. So, slow him down from the running game, hit Tua, and have Josh Allen be an all-pro level guy. You, that formula in general, you're going to be able to play with anyone in the league. Right? S- Stephon Diggs, when he's humming, he's a top two or three quarter or a wide receiver in the league. And that, in terms of home field advantage, and big picture, is Miami going on the road in the AFC to Kansas City to, I don't even know, I guess, you know, obviously Buffalo, I don't know who would be in the north, maybe Baltimore. That's... You know, historically, it hasn't always been Miami doesn't win those games under 40 or 35 degrees. What would change the way this team plays? Their defense is
1: terrible. Yeah, no, I think that's the – in the AFC, the best teams Buffalo can get after you defensively. Kansas City can get after you defensively. Uh, You start looking – even the Titans, the way they played today, can get after you defensively. We know Baltimore always figures out a way to get after you defensively. And then you start looking around and you're like, yeah, Miami already can't. Now, Jalen Ramsey comes back. Listen, this is Vic Fangio, and they're struggling. So, they don't I have mean, the players. If, they just don't have the players. Um, and so, listen, New England gave them Fitz and Foxborough in the second half. Like, um, yeah, I think Miami is um, – I think they're the best team to watch offensively. I think they're smart and clever, and it's a little bit of a fireworks show. But today is a great example of – and I think they're really well coached. They just have some personnel limitations. They're just – they don't have a lot of guys that would start for Buffalo on defense, maybe two. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I just think today was a day when, you know, Tua, once everything's not schemed, I mean, there were some plays in their first couple drives. You're like, geez, Louise, Mike, he's got, you know, Tyreek Hill in the backfield. These guys, guys motioning. I don't I, I thought it was incredible. He was the MVP so far. You realize how special their offensive coordinator is. But once you just have to play football straight up against a team that you're equal, maybe even slightly better trailing. on the road, yeah, it, it becomes a lot more difficult. So to me, they got a lot to prove just historically they've never done it you know and think of all the teams in the afc that play in the cold i, I like buffalo if he's going to play under control their quarterback has a chance i mean he is an all-time great talent but to have the best year of his career because after that first week clunker where it was like god we had to red flag that situation the last three weeks he's he's been brilliant i mean he's been you could argue the best player in the
1: league yeah i think i i i was i think i talked about this earlier is that um because once the schedule was lengthened the game, I think a lot of GMs and coaches scale back on playing guys in the preseason and they kind of use the first week as a little bit of a regular season game with a preseason feel on snaps. Yeah. You can't take much from the first game. Seattle looked awful. Buffalo looked awful. Uh, maybe that is what Pittsburgh is. They looked awful. <laughs> yeah, they're not good. Um, um, I, will, I will say this before we go. Um I had said during the summer is that I always think, because I would love to be a GM in the NFL, never going to happen, but if I didn't do this, that would be my choice. Probably, probably be yours, just to run an NFL franchise, is that I always think in free agency, the big mistake is the splashy moves. There's a lot of B, if you take your time and get through the first four days, there's a lot of B moves. And I thought Houston made several of those. Just... Just get a little better at running back, a little deeper at receiver, a little better on the offensive line. And D'Amico Ryans, as we both know, was really respected and loved in, in San Francisco. Stud. They they really felt like they lost a little bit of the soul of their defense. And then all of a sudden, it's such a dysfunctional organization, but they made a lot of these kind of like B moves, B plus, just get slightly, kind of Bill parcels, get better in the locker room, the weight room, the culture, just get a, a second tight end, a, a backup, uh, just interior lineman, everything feels better. And they did. And then CJ Stroud, the team makes no noise. Uh, they don't talk a lot. Stroud just sits back and throws the ball confidently, and there's there's not a ton of juice, but I gotta tell you, I don't think it's a fluke. I think they look I think they look like a well-coached team that knows exactly what they are. And I sat there today and I watched them and I thought, this isn't a fluke. Now we're in week four. That's a good that's a pretty solid football team. That's my view on the surprise team in the league. Houston's a solid, not great. They'll meet up with their talent level at some point. But I think they're a pretty solid team that's well-coached.
2: Yeah, I mean, I I think he's got a little burrow to his game. You know, he's not a great athlete, but he can move. He's really accurate. I mean, he has thrown the ball, pushed the ball down the field, very calm and collected. I mean, you watch him the last couple weeks, he he doesn't look like a guy playing the fourth game of his career. He looks like a guy who's been six years in the NFL. And obviously, from a coaching standpoint, this guy – I think he's got a chance to be like a Mike Vrabel. I think he already is. I mean, he's he's a stud. I mean, he he's the real deal. Uh I, I don't know how good they will be as the you know, as the season goes on. Are they more likely to win six than nine? Probably. But this is definitely a team they, they got a lot of firepower in the draft. That's the other thing. Remember, they're not done getting that back from Cleveland. Cleveland still owes them. I think their first round pick this year. So uh I, I think Houston, who knows? That division. I mean, the Titans are just this gritty, ugly, I mean, Jacksonville, I think Atlanta's terrible. I One thing that hit me this morning, how come, like, last night, LSU, Ole Miss, I have zero ties to the South. I don't care about, like, I, I've never been, I don't know anyone that goes to SEC schools. I've honestly never even been there. Like, I didn't go there scouting or whatever. I, I am just mesmerized by their games. I'm, I'm glued to my couch watching LSU, uh, Ole Miss. Yet, whatever the NFC and AFC South, like the morning game, does I, I don't even want to turn. I just think it's irrelevant. Why yeah. does college football for them feel so gigantic on TV? And then an NFL game, even one that sat by itself this morning, felt like, yeah, I'm going to watch the
1: news or something before the morning games come on. Yeah, well, it's it, there's been some quirky owners. What about and, the brands, too. Yeah, and I also think um, there haven't been. I mean, Brady drops in on the Buccaneers. But before Brady... They'd never had a great quarterback in the in the entire franchise. They'd had great players everywhere. They'd never had a great quarterback. Atlanta's had a lot of Chris Chandler's, yeah. uh, Matt Ryan. Uh, you know, Matt's more than capable. But I think you're Jamie. I mean, if you look at Carolina, Jake Delhomme, Cam Newton, Ryan Tannehill, Mariota. It, yeah, you know, there's it's a lot like, of these type players down there. It's always been an athletic conference. Uh, those rivalries are bigger if you live in the South. You know the the the, the Saints uh, in Atlanta is a bigger rivalry if you live in the South. Um, but I tend to think AFC South, NFC South, that the SEC is so big. It's almost why pro sports is so big in the Northeast and the West that it shrinks college football, yeah. right? And I think college football is so big in the South it kind of pulls down the NFL. But they're just it just seems to me. That the NFC South, you know, Breeze wasn't drafted by the Saints. They went and got him. Um, it, it's Brady entered at the end of his career. I don't I don't see a lot of um, historically great quarterback play in that division. Um, maybe it's some of its ownership. I don't know. I feel like in the Northeast, baseball and the NFL mean more. Big time. Uh, you know, I feel in the West, the NBA uh, just means more. And so you get better GMs, better scouts. The owners pay a little more. You have really wealthy owners: Balmer, Joe Lacob, Paul Allen. You've had some really wealthy Western owners. Now uh, the the Suns have one of the richer owners. So I always tend to if if there's a theme or a trend, I always look to ownership or passion. Like if you don't win baseball games, they'll just fire you in the Northeast. You're just yeah. done, right? Same so <laughs> in, the, in the West. You don't win. I'm, I thought Terry Stott was a good coach in Portland. Boom, out. Oh, I know, right? Yeah, so it's just yeah, like, I'm with you. Yeah, so they're just. I think in certain regions, certain things matter more. Last
2: thing on college, really quick. It really hit me yesterday. I, I this year's wide open, right? I mean, there are eight to ten open. teams that can win it. How is this? This is Harbaugh's opportunity. I was. I think his team's pretty good. Yes. <laughs> that quarterback is better than I thought he was. Yep. Like, this is – I mean, he'd have to beat a Sark. This Georgia team's not as good. Now LSU's down. Notre Dame, Ohio State. You know, USC can't play any defense. Two years ago, that Georgia team, he ran into a buzzsaw, got his ass kicked. Last year, dropped the ball. you got to beat TCU in that situation. This year, he's got to beat Ohio State, and then it's wide open for him. I, I think – I think the gates have opened for Jim Harbaugh in
1: Michigan to take advantage. And if,
2: if he's an all-time great coach, which I think he is, you got to win a championship, and, and this year's right there for him.
1: Yeah, it, the interesting thing is we know now he's very successful. He not only um, – he, he it took him – you know, it took Brian Kelly a lot of years to get Notre Dame. These northern schools, they're not LSU – USC, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, where, you know, your state has so many players that you can really you can really dominate your state. It Brian Kelly, you have to ask kids to come play in cold weather. Jim Harbaugh, you have to ask players. You know, it's convinced them school school's hard. School's hard. So I, Northern, you know, James Franklin now feels like he has his best team. I think it's about a four or five-year process in the North Washington. Um, Chris Peterson got it going, I think, year two to year three. But I always feel it's a little easier in the South because the states are so productive with recruiting. So I think it took Kelly and Harbaugh about five or six years to really – I mean, they were good early. I mean, I think Jim won 10 games year one, and Kelly won big – but they were kind of fraudulent teams, right? Like they couldn't run with Ohio State or Georgia. I think right now after, now Georgia's quarterback played well this weekend, but I think the question becomes if he gets to the championship, win or lose, and I think they could win, um, he can be really picky because I think Jim realized something in the NFL is you can be a great coach, but if you don't have the guy pulling the trigger, there's just limitations on what you can do. Yeah. And now you have Josh Allen in his prime and Lamar in his prime and Herbert in his prime and Mahomes is prime. You can't take a second. You can't go into this league with a second tier quarterback. No. Jalen hurts. Like you just can't do it anymore. So it's different than when Jim left, it's more quarterback centric. And there's all sure. these guys that weren't in the league and they're all in their primes. So I think you have to be really picky chargers job. I would absolutely take if, if Zach Taylor got run in two years, I would look into that, but it's, when Jim when Jim left this league, you didn't have all these Trevor Lawrence, Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Lamar. These guys weren't in the league, no, so it it, it's just a, it's a whole different ball game. You can still be physical, but as great as Vrabel is as a physical guy, he's kind of a one and dunner in the playoffs. He just doesn't have. Yeah. And Tannehill's not terrible; he's competent.
2: Yeah, and he's even maxed out. Even if he maximizes yes. his team, which he's doing, what's he going to win? Nine games? Yep. <laughs> right. I mean, he can only go so far. So. A lot going on. I mean, what
1: a, what a first month of football. It was great. John Middlecoff, three and out, The Volume. Good seeing you, buddy. See you, Colin. The Volume.
0: It's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff.